0: Welcome back to the live series podcast. This is the podcast uh, that is brought to you by Amicus Recruitment, and it's all about tech leaders from all over the world. Today, we're diving into a really interesting subject that I've been really looking forward to talking about. Um, it's going to be about imposter syndrome, um, especially within tech. Um, and to chat about this with me, I have the lovely Greg Dick, engineering director over at Huddle. Hi, Greg. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm also excited to talk about this, uh, very passionate about this subject.
0: Yeah, I know. I know when we ch- when we chatted a little bit before, we kind of we touched on it a little bit, and I kind of got really like excited in a weird way to kind of hear you, you know, how the way you're talking about it, and obviously you you kind of experienced a little bit about it yourself and stuff. But we'll dive into that anyway. Before we get into that at all, um, anyone that might have not have heard of Huddle, um, I know I hadn't before I started chatting with you. To be honest with you, so John, um, maybe just give like a little bit of a background to yourself and your career, and uh, and then a little about Huddle as well.
1: Yeah. So, uh, like you said, I'm an engineering director. I've been with huddle for a little over nine years now. Um, we're a fairly new company started in 2006, so really not that old. And we are, um, it's always tough to come up with the, the perfect elevator pitch because we've grown so much. and We do so many things now, but, um, I would say we are a sports video and analytics company. Our goal is to, um, you know, capture every moment in sports and make every moment matter uh so the, the core is uh you give us video of sports games we will help you figure out how to analyze that and and help uh your teams and your athletes improve um and so we range everywhere from youth sports to the elite level professional sports um so a wide swath of products um yeah and we are global we uh, we have offices in the US, and UK, Netherlands. We're kind of all over the place.
0: Yeah, it's as someone that's interested in sports, it's obviously pretty fascinating um, stuff. That I, I, I kind of want to ask loads of questions about that, but I'm not going to <laughs> stick, stick to the topic at hand. Um, but instead, in so before Huddle, have you always kind of been into in the tech industry, or is it always is it kind of something that's just you've fallen into, or did you always kind of want to be involved in that area?
1: Uh, You know, what's really interesting, growing up, I was always big into computers. I I still remember the first computer that my parents got. It had, um, I think it was Windows 3, uh, and then we had a Windows 95, and I was always playing around, and I, I knew back then that I wanted to do something with computers as an adult, but then in high school, I saw the movie Office Space. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it paints this really bleak picture of software development as a career and i was like oh gosh maybe i don't want to do this uh and so when i was thinking about college my first uh major that i chose was chemical engineering completely different than than software um but then i i ended up uh switching away from that and i chose electrical engineering you know somewhat adjacent to software kind of but still not really Um, but then uh After college, I had two electrical engineering jobs. Um, They only lasted about a year each. And then while I was working at those jobs, I was doing a lot of uh, hobby software on the side, just like PHP and MySQL. And I loved it. And so I ended up finding a job in software. Um, So I had one job for six years uh, doing web development, and then I came to Huddle uh where it is kind of similar um and and been there ever since
0: lovely lovely i know they kind of a lot of engineering orientated things yet not actually quite the same sort of stuff and yeah it's an interesting path though to be honest um go on then in terms of um, i am dying to die into this in case you can't tell but in terms of imposter syndrome um you know you said that well like we've just said you went through you know it wasn't a completely straight kind of binary path to yeah you in but that surely kind of been what affected your imposter syndrome or was it
1: i i think so you know i still remember when i when i got that software job uh it was a small company i think there were probably eight to ten other developers and coming into that the first thing i thought was i one i am an imposter Uh, I just assume, I never verified this, but I assumed that every other developer there had a computer science degree. Um, And any time that I didn't know something, I would assume that, oh, they learned it in one of their classes, and I didn't take that class. You know, I only took one computer science class in college, which I actually really loved that class. And again, it made me wonder, like, why didn't I choose this to start with? Um, But uh, going into that job, I had to learn a lot and I was always afraid that I would expose myself as, you know, not having the training, not having the knowledge that everybody else has. And I was very self-conscious of my code. Uh, code review wasn't really part of the culture at this place, at least when I started. So it was it was kind of easy for me to hide my code. Um, and... I would often dig myself a hole of, oh, I'm struggling with this thing and I've been struggling for a while. Now I have to go ask somebody for help. And as always, I was always afraid of, you know what else are they gonna find when they start looking at my code of all these things that were wrong. Um, And I can remember uh, we were writing Java And I was looking at this chunk of code once, and I was just like, I have no idea what is going on in this chunk of code. And so I asked another developer, and he said, oh, that's an an anonymous inner class. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like, this is another one of those things where I just assume that they learned this in one of their classes. I don't think they actually did. Uh, But, you know, then I had to go on Google to figure out what is an anonymous inner class how do you use it? What is the syntax for this? What was actually happening here? I was still too afraid to, uh, you know, keep asking more and more questions to gain understanding. I was more worried about completing the tasks that had been handed to me, um, and and being able to show that yes, I can do this. I can I can hang with these other people that have the computer science degrees.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, yeah, it makes total sense now. Actually, when since you said it, I thought initially I was kind of like, oh no, surely not. This guy clearly knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but then it's it's yeah, when you put it like that, it kind of is like if you've seen it as a kind of educational route because a lot of people do get science degrees, right, and they get a lot of computer science degrees specifically. But mm-hmm. I don't, from my experience personally in, in marketing, I don't have a marketing degree. Uh, my degrees in graphic design yet my career is in marketing but I'll come across other marketers and there's even recruitment consultants at the company who have marketing degrees and I'm like they'll drop like a jargon word in there or something and I'm like don't know what that is you must have looked at yeah. university and you know but I'm yes. like I don't know what that is because it's you know it's, it's up to me to kind of learn I guess but I suppose when you're surrounded and uh, you know that's my situation is obviously very different but in that kind of situation when you're on a, a team of people and you're all doing relatively you know the same kind of tasks or the same kind of the same essence of job essentially maybe in different kind of forties and things like that but you would assume then that the imposter syndrome would creep in did you have the confidence to kind of be asking questions and stuff at that point was it kind of because it was more was it maybe entry level or was it kind of did you how did you feel about going what was your kind of approach to to that initial feeling
1: it it was definitely entry level um I think the, my approach, because I was so guarded, it was like taking baby steps of, uh, what kinds of questions can I ask to these certain individuals where I won't feel bad about myself afterward. And there were individuals where if I asked them a question, their response would make me feel like I was inadequate, that I didn't already know this thing, uh, which just like really just piles on (laughs) the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but if you're lucky, you know, you find somebody that you start asking, uh, little questions and then you can start to ask bigger questions and have m- more learning opportunities from them. Uh, but if you don't have that, then you're kind of stuck, uh, and, and that can be a struggle. So fortunately I, I had a few people at that job where I started to gain comfort in asking those types of questions. Um, I would still often be self-conscious about my code, um, One of the things that helped me over time was my boss would always tell me that I was doing a good job. Of course, my boss was only looking at the outcome. Uh, You know, if I was making a a web app, they would look at the UI and see that it all functions the way it's supposed to, which is great. I mean, that's, that's what I was striving for, but they weren't going and reading my code. And so there was always a part of me that was like, you know, you said I did a good job, but I bet if you went and read my code, you'd be like, what was this guy thinking here? uh this is this all over the place
0: yeah you kind of like you feel like you're going to get rumbled at any minute kind of thing like in the sense of kind of you having previous people not really managing your imposter syndrome too well or not necessarily even just managing you as a new person very well um and the fact that you ask questions everybody asks questions in a new role whether they're new to the industry or whether they're new to their career or just new to the company and it's it is a shame when you kind of people aren't given the real platform or a good enough answer or that you know the feelings aren't considered you don't need your hand holding if you have imposter syndrome but you definitely need some sort of respect almost for lack of a better word like yeah. you you need to feel like you can ask questions right so how has that translated into your now management style um obviously you said you've got a, you know nine years at huddle you've got plenty of experience as a leader has have you kind of intentionally reflected on what you experienced and turned that into a way to to kind of break that cycle.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that once I was in a position of leadership, uh, a lot of it came down to creating a, a culture where people that are susceptible with imposter syndrome can still thrive. A lot of that comes down to um, creating a culture of psychological safety where they just feel comfortable uh, asking questions. They feel comfortable uh, not knowing something. Uh, They're not afraid that if they reveal the fact that they don't know this thing, that it's going to make them feel bad or or reflect poorly on them. Um, So this is something that uh, with my team of uh, 18 to 20 people, every once a year, I will give a talk about psychological safety and, and diversity and the importance of, you know, creating that culture where everybody feels comfortable uh, giving their suggestions, asking questions. Um, and that, that plays a big part into it just to, uh, for those individuals that are very susceptible to imposter syndrome, where they don't necessarily feel like they have to be guarded. Um, and when we talk about it, everybody else also recognizes that the things they do impacts those individuals as well. Um, One of the the biggest things that I kind of harp on with my team is uh, anytime somebody asks a question or gives a suggestion, you may have an initial reaction uh, that is negative. But what I I challenge everybody to do is react with genuine curiosity. Uh, There's this really great saying that I heard a couple years ago, and I don't know where it originates, but I, I love it and it's helped me out a lot. Uh, it is you are not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your second thought and your first action. And so sometimes when we talk about like the psychological safety and in, in helping people uh that are susceptible to imposter syndrome, we can feel bad about ourselves if they ask a question and our first thought is that's a terrible idea, or you know, something like that. And I, I still have that from time to time. And it can can make me feel bad about myself or used to when I would have those thoughts. And I would think like, I have to somehow change the way I think. But that idea that I'm not actually responsible for my first thought, I'm only responsible for what happens next. That's a game changer. Uh, Because then I can catch myself, be like, okay, my first thought was that's a terrible suggestion, but let's learn more. Uh, So my second thought is, I want to respond with genuine curiosity. So I'm going to ask, Uh, for for more details or more information. And one of two things is going to happen. That individual is going to either realize through talking it out that uh, maybe it's not a a great idea or there's flaws in it, or I'm going to realize I was missing something and it actually is a good idea. Both of those outcomes are great and it, it helps that individual feel comfortable asking those questions or giving those suggestions. And they're far more likely to do it again in the future, as opposed to what I experienced early on where I would ask a question and somebody would respond in a way that made me feel bad about myself. I, I didn't want to ask them any more questions, you know, which then, of course, stunted my own growth.
0: hmm it's isolating too, right? Surely when, when you don't feel like you can actually ask questions and presumably on that logic as well, those people were responding just with their first initial thought and just letting you know that yeah. without any kind of constructiveness or any kind of progressive technique to to make you realize that it was either a bad idea or for them to realize it was a good idea. Like, I love that. I really love that. Especially, you're not responsible for your first thought, but second and then your action, you 100% are. I think that is a really good uh, philosophy. I really like that. Um so I mean we've kind of touched a little bit on it there. Obviously, that the one of the consequences would be people maybe feeling a little isolated or, or not very confident in their work. Um mm-hmm. imposter syndrome is is definitely far more common than I think people think, and that's kind of the irony of imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. Um so what are the consequences kind of it sounds like you're doing a great job, um at your end, of the Huddle, with your team. Um have you kind of experienced or seen or or do you have a good idea of what consequences are if, if someone wasn't to really seriously consider imposter syndrome? Because it, it doesn't just necessarily come with new people, right? It can happen halfway through oh, your yeah. career and, or you get promoted even and it, it kind of kicks in again then and you're kind of going through this cycle. Yep. What What are the consequences of either not managing it within yourself or or not managing it as a, well, as a manager?
1: Yeah. So uh, I do want to touch on, you mentioned like, it can kick in later on in your career. And yeah, every time I've been promoted into a new role, I I start, it starts to come back a bit. I'll be in a room full of other engineering leaders and people will start talking about some technology or they bring up an acronym. And it it seems like everybody else knows what they're talking about. And I'm sitting here like, I have no idea what this acronym is. Uh, and, And where my mind immediately goes is, oh my gosh, these people are doing so much due diligence to stay up to date in the industry, to stay up to date with these new technologies. And I missed this. It was completely off my radar. I am not doing my job. Uh, The reality is probably they just learned about it last week. I'm one article behind learning this thing. Like that's probably the reality, but that's not where my mind goes. And so, yeah, it's, it's not something that just goes away as you progress in your career. Um, so then uh, back to the the question of, you know, some of those consequences, ultimately, I think retention suffers uh, if you're if you're not being aware of this, um, you know, going back to my first two jobs, uh, the electrical engineering jobs that only lasted a year apiece. Yeah, I had certain frustrations with those jobs, but ultimately the reason that I left those jobs so quickly was because it was actually easier to find a new job than it was to talk to my boss about my frustrations. Which, I mean, if you think about it, that's such a ridiculous statement because finding a new job is not exactly easy. It certainly should not be easier than talking to somebody about some frustrations. But it was. It legitimately was. And I think that that's true for a lot of people when they're in a uh, a, a situation where it doesn't have that culture to bring comfort of, you know, expressing your frustrations or asking these kinds of questions. Um, but, you know, apart from retention, I think performance suffers as well. I've had uh, individuals that are really suffering from imposter syndrome. And um, what what tends to happen is they will come in thinking they need to know how to do everything. And if you give them a task, they will they will kind of go off on their own and try to knock it out because they wanna prove that they can do this. And I was the same way. This is exactly what I did starting out. And anytime they run into a road bump, they might spin their wheels for a while. You know, you might go into stand up the next day and ask for their update. And they just can give kind of like a really short ambiguous, "Ah, I'm still working on it. Uh, Not many details, which again is something that I did back in the day. Uh, and then they might spin their wheels for three days and then finally kind of throw their hands up and say, okay, I, I need help with this. I I've been struggling with this. I don't know how to get past it. Whereas if they were comfortable expressing that they didn't know this thing to begin with, they would have gotten past that road bump much easier. Um, and so, you know, I've had to coach individuals through that. Help them recognize when they're digging that hole and, and realize that the, the outcome of digging the hole for three days is far worse than what it's going to look like when you ask a question and reveal that you don't know this thing. Because reality is, it's not that big of a deal to, to not know this thing. Something that I've told a lot of these people, especially um, new people to the industry, um, I tell this to interns every year. I fully expect you to ask a lot of questions. I only expect you, uh, my my only real expectation there though, is that you don't ask the same question a whole bunch of times. You know, when you are asking those questions, I want you to ask the questions to gain the understanding, uh, not just so that you can, you know, get past this task and move on to the next task. Um, so I think that's where, if you're creating that culture where people feel like they need to hide their their inadequacies or their mistakes your performance does suffer because you get those situations where somebody just kind of goes off on their own for several days thinking they need to prove to everybody else that they can do this on their own Uh, when it's simply it's not the case you know everybody uh, runs into roadblocks from time to time and can use an extra set of eyes
0: I love that, especially about going down that rabbit hole. We've all been there, haven't we, when it comes to a certain task. And and it, it sounds like, yeah, from a manager's perspective, 100%, you'd rather someone was instead of saying, how do I do this? Because I need to get from A to B. It's more, why am I doing this? And how should I go about it? And is there a system for this? Is there a process for this? And that that in itself is like four questions right there. But it's actually so much more beneficial to be asking a bunch of questions instead of just like you said, like one that just gets you through the task and then you kind mm-hmm. of just drop it. And then, you know, the, a relative task comes around an hour later and you have to ask how to do that one instead of just figuring out the full body of the task. Um, I said task a lot there. That was a lot of task. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms of kind of, you mentioned like interns and things there and in terms of, I know we've touched on entry level stuff. How do you think that there's an element of the hiring process that can kind of nullify um, kind of imposter syndrome for people at that even earlier stage?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And it's not something that I thought much about. Like, where does the hiring process play into this? Um, and as I thought about it more, um, you know, I think there's probably some people out there that uh, they may think that they don't want people with imposter syndrome. And so they may try to filter them out in the hiring process, which I think would be a huge mistake. Um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I've read many times that imposter syndrome, uh, impacts more, uh, women in technology, more people in underrepresented groups. So right away, you're going to hurt your diversity if you're purposely trying to, to filter out people with imposter syndrome. But also a lot of the most brilliant people that I know suffer greatly from imposter syndrome. Uh, they, you know, they don't necessarily see themselves as brilliant, uh, but everybody else can see it. And, you know, you definitely want those people and you want to create a culture where they thrive. And I think that does start during the hiring process. When I think of certain types of interviews, um, you know, we may have very pointed questions where it's like, you either know this or you don't, but you better know it. Uh, and, And that starts to send signals right away of, you know, this is an environment for learning. This is an environment where you need to know your stuff and if you don't you're going to you're going to sink and you know we're going to have to part ways eventually and that is the exactly the kind of environment where somebody with imposter syndrome will suffer because they they become guarded and they are afraid of revealing that maybe they don't know something whereas you know other types of interviews you might focus a lot more on You know, your experiences, what have you learned? How how do you think through these things? It's less about what you know today and more about how you work through problems. And I think that sends the very different signals of, yeah, we care about learning. We understand that not everybody knows everything. uh, And what we really care about is your ability to, um, you know, ramp up, learn about these things, mentor others stuff like that so i think that you can uh give these first impressions very differently through the hiring process and so if you have that one person that is susceptible to imposter syndrome they're going to come in with a very different mindset just based off of those first impressions
0: Mm. i know you said that in terms of performance and things like that are affected are there any actual that's kind of a tricky question i suppose but do you think there are any kind of like noticeable signs of someone that might be affected by imposter syndrome from a manager's perspective with an employee for example
1: yeah i think so um you know a lot of times it may just seem like this person lacks self-confidence um you know i can i can think of a case where uh i was managing somebody through imposter syndrome and well First, I mentioned to them this idea of imposter syndrome, and they hadn't heard the term before. So I think that's one of the important things is we have to talk about it. When I think about my early years, I had never heard of this term. I didn't think that I had imposter syndrome. I just thought that I was an imposter. And I didn't know that a lot of other people felt this way. And so uh, talking about it with people can help them to think like, okay, yeah, that does kind of sound like me. These symptoms of imposter syndrome, it kind of sounds like what I'm doing. Um, but, you know, this individual that I was managing through it, as we talked about it, um, there was a point where I asked them, if I told you that you did a good job on this project, would you believe me? And they said, no, no, I would not believe you because I know all of the flaws in this project. And if you told me that I did a good job, I would think you're just doing it to try to boost my self-confidence, which puts me in a really tricky spot, right? Uh, and at that point, even if somebody else reached out to them and told them they did a good job, their first thought would have been, oh, Greg told them to go, like, give me positive feedback about this project. And so, uh, I, I had to kind of change up my strategy with this individual of, I, I started to recognize that yes, they had a, a deflated, uh, view of their own skills and contributions but they also had an overly inflated view of the skills and contributions of their peers around them. Uh, you know, they would, they would see the the Instagram view essentially of what their peers are doing. They see the number of PRs that are going out. They see these celebratory posts of these projects that are happening. Uh, but I would ask them like, okay, well, how much do you really know about the work that this other person did? And they would say, well, Not that much. Like, you know, I didn't go code review their stuff. I didn't get like a really good view of it. They just kind of assume that all of these other people know exactly what they're doing and they're just doing outstanding work and they view their own work as like, it has all these flaws, right? And so another piece of managing this person through was to give them, help them get a more accurate view of other people's contributions. One of the experiments I did with this individual was I said, go code review this other developer's code for several PRs. And and this person said, well, I'm not gonna have anything to contribute. And I said, I don't, I don't care about the, your contributions to their code review. You don't need to like find something wrong with it and, and fix it. What I want you to do is read through it, try to understand it and somewhere ask a question. Just find something that you don't understand what's going on here and ask a question to gain more understanding. And one of two things is gonna happen. Uh, either you're gonna learn a lot because this person is going to fully explain uh, this, this concept that you, that you didn't understand, or that person is going to reveal that they also don't understand what's going on in their PR. And that's actually what happened for this case. You know, I told this person, go ask a question in this other person's uh, pull request. And of course the individual I was managing their view of this other person's skills and contributions was way up here. And as soon as they asked the question, hey, why do we do this uh code this certain way? I don't really understand what's going on. This other person said, uh, I don't know either. We've just always done it that way. And suddenly their view of that person's skills and contributions dropped a little bit, not in a bad way, but like it was this light bulb moment of, oh, they don't know everything. They also do this thing that I do, where sometimes I just write a Write this code a certain way because that's how we've always done it, and so uh, that really helped too uh, to for this individual to recognize that other people they might have some of the same inadequacies, inadequacies that they feel in themselves. They make some of the mistakes that they make, um, and so uh, you know, going back to the original question, what is a symptom of somebody that uh, may have imposter syndrome? It is if you can sense that they have that overinflated view of what everybody else is doing.
0: Yeah, I love that. I don't, I don't know what you mean when you're saying it wasn't in a bad way. It kind of brought this person down in, in, in that person's eyes. It was it was just a reality check in, in reality. Yeah. What phrasing that is. It was a reality check in reality. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? And, and I, did, I did wonder that. I know I didn't, um, I, I kind of sent it over to you in the questions before the episode, but I, I didn't include that, but I definitely wanted to, to try and figure it out because it is a tricky thing to, because especially if a manager who at some point obviously has been promoted into that position or has come into that position at some point, they might have experienced imposter syndrome themselves and could be caught up in in that and therefore not really be looking out for it within anybody else, especially within their own team. So to be able to kind of have that consciousness, to, to be able to kind of search for that, kind of like you said, the inflation of of others around them in their eyes, and it can totally affect your confidence, can't it? And it can really ultimately, you know, in turn affect your performance. Um and then retention, like you said a little bit earlier too. And it's it's an extremely important subject, I think. Um in terms of I mean I was gonna ask you what psychological safety looks like, because you mentioned it earlier. I know you've probably touched on it a little bit. So sorry if I'm getting you to repeat yourself, but it, it, it's such a key aspect of it avoided imposter syndrome anyway but also psychological safety at work is insanely important but also super underrated I think in a lot of, in a lot of places, yeah. a lot of ways what does that look like for you and how can you implement it
1: yeah so uh I think the first step is to talk about it introduce everybody to this concept of of what it is I think A lot of people, in my experience, the first time they hear psychological safety, that term, they conflate it with a safe space. And it's not really the same thing. You know, a lot of people think of a safe space as like, you know, nobody's going to say anything to offend you here. Um, But psychological safety is... Uh, I mean, the definition is going to be a little bit different for everybody. My own definition is, is simply, I'm not afraid to look like an idiot in front of, in front of these people in front of my peers. Um, and so it, psychological safety is more about the, the comfort in an individual. Um, and so once you talk about it and you get everybody on board with this concept, and on board with the idea of we want a team we want to have a culture of psychological safety and and get them to understand the ways that they can promote psychological safety and avoid the things that that might push it down um then what it starts to look like is you have a lot more discussions you have a lot more contributions from everybody on the team especially newer people um you know lacking psychological safety A symptom of that would be you have one or just a a small number of very loud voices, very opinionated people that are uh, really dictating how the whole team operates. Whereas when you have a lot of psychological safety, you have a lot more input from everybody else. One of the interesting bits is sometimes when you have a lot of psychological safety, things can actually feel slower because there's more discussion to work through. There's more ideas that people are bringing up. There's just a lot more to to work through before you get consensus on a solution, Um, which sometimes that can feel bad if it's slower, but more often than not, you're going to come away with a better solution that everybody feels great about, as opposed to only taking one person's ideas all the time. Um, I I think the other bits, uh, when you have really good psychological safety, people just feel less stressed out they uh are able to express their ideas their frustrations um things like that and and they never feel like they never feel like it's easier to find a new job <laughs> than it is to you know work through what they're feeling at work
0: yeah i love that idea of kind of stretching out the dynamic enough so that it kind of will feel like it's getting it's taking a little longer to get through things and to make some decisions even but the overall result of that if you kind of keep it up consistently is that you are going to end up culminating a much more dynamic way of making decisions within a team and it's definitely an effective way of doing things i think i totally agree with you on that one um that was very eloquently put i love that um <laughs> but um i feel like this is i mean I'm, I'm looking at my questions on one side of the screen I'm, i'll admit it um i'm sorry that i didn't kind of remember them um but it's, it's more of a guide anyway to be fair and i've definitely gone off track a couple of times already um I feel like I don't want to ask you this question just because I sort of know what kind of vibe you're gonna give, but I, I, I kind of ask it to a lot of the guests anyway. But it's what describe yourself in in three words as a leader.
1: So this is so hard. I know to, to <laughs> choose three words. Um so the the words that I came up with, uh my first one is empathetic. Um, you know, especially being somebody that has worked through imposter syndrome um i I try to be very empathetic to everybody else on my team. um i I feel like one of my strengths is uh, understanding uh, what people are going through, especially in those early stages of the career. Uh, and to me, helping those individuals work through that to to do their best work, to achieve their goals, that is more important to me than you know, knocking out projects. Uh, so for better or worse, like I focus on those individuals. Now the success of the projects tends to come as a side effect anyway, so it works out really well, uh, but I definitely focus on those individuals. Uh, my second word uh, is honesty. Um, I am overly transparent with my team. Uh, because I've been in that situation where I've had bosses where I feel like they're not telling me the whole story. They're not really telling me how I'm doing. Um, and so, you know, my mind and probably the mind of many people susceptible to imposter syndrome just runs rampant with speculation. Anytime that I feel like I'm not getting, uh, the whole story. And so knowing how I felt in those times, uh, helps me to, uh, want to be more honest and transparent with my team so that they don't have to go through, uh, some of the things I went through early on. Um, and then my, my third word, which is not an adjective in any way, it's just relationships. Um, you know, going way back to, uh, you know, the reason that I left those first two jobs, that it was not easy to talk to my bosses. I don't want that. For people on my team, and I can't just tell people, "Hey, you know, you can trust me. You can open up." That's not how those relationships work. You have to build a relationship, get to know each other, um, have plenty of examples of uh, vulnerability. Um, one of the most important things that I felt like I ever did as a manager was I carved out time in our one-on-ones for a fun question, like. A get to know you question. It's not work related at all. And the reason I felt that it was important is because we got to know each other much better. And the result was far more people were willing to open up uh, about things. You know, the you think about you as an individual, whenever you have thoughts of like, I'm kind of thinking of leaving this job, how likely are you to tell your boss that in a one-on-one? That's a scary thing to bring up. Um, but I have actually had that. I have had people that are comfortable enough with me that they're willing to say that and then we can talk through that. Um, and it it feels really good as a manager when you get somebody that that feels that comfortable with you to bring up something like that, that that's scary. Uh, it took me a long time to ever get comfortable enough with my boss. And I would say it really only happened at Huddle Um, All the ones before that, it was still pretty scary to to try to say anything like that. And so um, even now as an engineering director, every time we bring on a new hire, I schedule one-on-ones with them for their first six months just for us to get to know each other because I want to have a relationship with them where they feel comfortable coming to me with anything I mean, granted, they have their own manager that um, they hopefully feel comfortable going to them as well. But I do want them to feel comfortable coming to me and giving feedback on how the team is going. Um, I don't want them to just view our team as a, uh, a dictatorship from the top down. I want them to feel like they have the power to give feedback and help influence the direction of our team.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's the first time uh, someone's given me a, a non-adjective uh, response to that question, but <laughs> it was a great one. It was a really great one. And um, and the that people are coming to you saying, like, I'm thinking about leaving, like, that really does say a lot about yourself um, as a leader. I think anyone who, like you said, has the confidence to do that, it says a lot. Um, so in terms of kind of, I know you mentioned there a little bit about, um, I mean, again, about relationships, it, it's kind of a runner theme, isn't it, when it comes to imposter syndrome, because it, it isn't just a one-way street, it's 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 fully, you, you kind of rely on someone to have the right reaction to you, to, to pretty much everything you say, you order to yeah. it not feel like, is it, like, I think you were to bang on the money when you said, um, kind of, uh, if you're not kind of getting that transparency, if you're not getting, if you don't, you know, you get a feeling that you, there's nothing kind of 100% being explained to you, then your mind is just pure open for speculation and (laughs) uh, where impossibility can come from. And even that's more common, I think, than people give credit for. Just the fact that if you care about something enough, you are bound to speculate a lot about anything that kind of gives you an uneasy feeling, right? So... And, and and work with 100% falls into that category, especially into relationships at work or, you know, tasks or projects, anything that you kind of care about at work you, you, is open for speculation. And that's kind of where imposter syndrome stems from, right? So um, I'm kind of gutted to be bringing this one to an end. Um, I do feel like we could have kind of gone... Around another, and I could have probably asked you all the same questions again, and we've had a completely different conversation because much to be spoken about with this. um So I'd love to get you back on again for for maybe a part two or in six months' time. I'll we'll see where you, how you're doing over at Huddle and see how your team's getting on and everything, and have a proper catch up. But I do have um, like a, a final question. That I do I do actually ask this one to everybody, and it's a little bit easier than uh, than the three words. um And it's not it doesn't require any adjectives if you don't need it to. Um, All right. <laughs> so what um what advice uh would you have for somebody who who wants to be in a position um to you one day but also for someone who maybe kind of is a little more inclined to imposter syndrome
1: yeah i th- i think my first uh advice for for really everybody out there that's not familiar with imposter syndrome is go read up on it um cuz like i said people that have it probably don't realize they have it they just assume they are an imposter. And if they don't realize that there are millions of other people that experience this, uh, they probably think that it's just them. So read up on it, uh, familiarize yourself with the concept. Um, I think another one is, uh, start paying closer attention to your peers, you know, to avoid that overinflated, uh, view of what everybody else is doing, you know, avoid the Instagram view, uh, of your peers. Um, it can be challenging depending on people's situations. Like if they're in a culture that doesn't provide a lot of psychological safety, it, it can be challenging to, to be vulnerable and open up with those questions when you are afraid that it's going to reflect poorly on you or that somebody's going to make you feel bad or inadequate about yourself. Um, and so, you know, I hesitate to just say, oh, go jump in the deep end and, and be vulnerable. Um, but it is something that you can also Bring up with your manager, and hopefully that your manager is familiar with it, uh, and, and can can help you work through it. Um, and then, in terms of you know people looking to level up their career, uh, get into leadership, my my big advice is to focus on the culture. A lot of the success of projects comes from having a really good culture. If you have outstanding individuals but a really bad culture, those outstanding individuals are not going to stick around very long. And and then what you're going to be left with is the people that are willing to just work through this bad culture. Uh, I think that if you have a very good culture, uh, a lot of people out there in the tech industry will excel. It is not like these outstanding individuals are a diamond in the rough and, oh, you have to find the right individual. I think that the majority of people in this industry can excel quite well when put in uh, a situation with a really positive culture. And so um, that's my big thing is focus on that culture and the success comes after.
0: Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that, especially that that kind of first point about vulnerability. I think that that crosses over a bunch as well, because you know being able to show vulnerability as an employee is kind of necessary to be able to have a better relationship with your manager but as a, I think as a, as a leader showing vulnerability is pretty key it's not just helpful like i feel like your team would benefit from it you're going to benefit from it it's, it opens the space up for you to learn as well um so yeah especially love that point of vulnerability. Um, but well, there I am again. that was the closing question and I'm going off on a tangent again. So <laughs> let's definitely do this again um, and we'll we'll talk about this some more because it's genuinely really fascinating. Um, not just to me, but like we've said already, it isn't a subject that necessarily is spoken about in this much depth, or not from what I know with you know, resources wise, I think I would find this useful to listen to or to watch. I think um so yeah, so thank you so much for 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 giving your insight on it and for your time on it. I think it's you've definitely done a great job of breaking a lot of bits down, especially when it comes to the leadership side of dealing with imposter syndrome. It's probably something that again isn't touched on too much and it can happen to any oh that was going to be a bit ominous then it can happen to anyone at any time. <laughs> um but but it totally can and I think that's why it's yeah. like I said earlier it's completely ironic that it's actually way more common um to feel like an imposter amongst people um but yeah if you're watching on youtube you can hover over the logo in the corner and hit subscribe just there um follow us at at amicus jobs on all the socials and visit amicus for all our roles and everything like that and all the other lovely content that we've got um greg thank you again so much
1: yeah thank you for having me this is great
0: yeah